Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My guest today is Mariana Chastelos. But before we get to Mariana, I do have some announcements to make. And one is uh, the website. Go visit our website at TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you can see photos of our guests. You can see stories written by me and some of the guests. And you can see links to all our social media. And by that, I mean Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Uh, there are links to our Facebook page. There's links to Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe and also links to iTunes where you can subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a good rating. That helps people find the show and boosts our presence there. So that would be a cool thing if you could do that. If you want to write me, maybe you have questions about uh, Alaska, about cruising, about travel in general, about the show, anything, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. If it sounds a little different in here, it's because I am in my room on the Holland America New Amsterdam cruise ship. This is my last day on the cruise ship. I've been on here for four weeks performing comedy and seeing the towns of Vancouver, Ketchikan, Juneau, and Skagway. Over and over and over again in all lovely towns, but um, I'm done. I'm ready to go home. This has been the longest stretch I've ever had to do on cruises, and I'm new to the cruise game. Uh, if you've never been to Alaska, I recommend it highly, but um, a cruise is just one way to see it. You know, I'm only seeing a small sliver of Alaska, this southern tip, basically, so it's a massive, massive state, so if you can go... Try to see as much of it as he can, and that's a tall order, but if you can get inland and uh, if you can see uh, Denali National Park and so much nature up here, try to do as much of it as he can. I've only seen this, like I said, this little sliver of it, which is beautiful in itself. So try to do it. And just know, if you see a comedian, uh, stick around for the show and uh, laugh. <laughs> and when I talk about the ages of people, not only... Uh, old people, which is, it was hard enough to make laugh, but I could look out and see 80-year-olds and 10-year-olds. And uh, to try to appeal to both those groups is a, is a certain kind of comedy. <laughs> and uh, it's a learning curve, and I've got better at it, I think, over the past month, because having to write uh, more international kind of jokes, which is fun for me as someone who travels. I can do my jokes about Canadians, about Brits, about Australians, that uh, there's a lot of them on the ship. And so, like, Americans wouldn't get those jokes back home. But, you know, I can make fun of the Brits and the Aussies and everything else, and uh, they love it. So that's been working out. Again, a learning curve. But um, if you can make it up here to Alaska, do so. This will be my last uh, recorded on the ship show. So I'm heading back home, back to the good microphones and everything else. So even if I wanted to do, say, a Skype interview, the the big drag about being on the ship for so much is that the internet is very slow and very expensive. So Skyping was not a possibility. And uh, so I couldn't, 
I'm pretty limited to who I can interview over the past month other than people on the ship. And if you've been listening to the show, the last few guests have all been uh, either entertainers on the show or speakers. Uh, Nick Jans was on. Uh, we had Adam Cario, the juggler, uh, Trig Watson, the magician. But our guest today, Mariana Cisteos, works on the ship, but not for the cruise line. She is kind of an independent contractor. She works in the gems department. She works in the jewelry store, but she represents a company that sells uh, tanzanite and uh, in, all, in all forms. So she's here for a couple months, and uh, she's from Mexico City. So we talk a lot about Mexico and uh, life on the ship and, and her life and... Uh, we became friends on the ship, and she was nice enough to sit down for an interview, and I enjoyed her company, and I think you will too. Please enjoy my conversation with the lovely and charming Mariana Chastelos. Tell people what you do on this ship and your official title. You are a gemologist, I guess? Okay. I am a luxury brand ambassador. I work for GemBlue, which is a luxury brand of tanzanite. Mm -hmm. Tanzanite is a very rare gemstone. So what I do is I come on board with a special collection, and what we do is we talk about it, we offer it to the public with very good discounts, and I do seminars and help people learn about the stone, know about it, and want to buy it. So how does a nice girl from Mexico City start selling tanzanite on a cruise ship, and why? Okay, well, um, I, have, I went to school for design and retail. So I did my kind of internship in Walt Disney World. That was like, yeah. In Orlando? Yeah, in oh, okay. Orlando, Florida, yeah. And that was kind of like my school for, you know, guest relations, customer service, and happy sales. <laughs> happy sales? <laughs> yeah. Have a magical day. Did you have to do that? Yeah. It's like a whole, I've worked at Disney before, like shooting things, and, but not officially, but just to, as a, for TV and stuff. But they're an amazing company. In two different ways. In one, in that they're so micro-organized, but it's also scary how micro-organized they're. And people, like, buy into It's like a cult, almost, you know? And they never turn off the face. Like, have a magical day! Even, like, when they're supposed to be off work. It's like, no, relax. It's just, people love it, right? Did you have to learn all that stuff? Yeah. And uh, no, Mike, we never relax. You never relax, right? <laughs> no, we're always happy. We're always full of pixie dust yep. and magical dreams. <sighs> I don't know. I love it. And honestly, if there is one company that I would absolutely at any given time have the chance to work for, it's Walt Disney. I would absolutely love it always. <laughs> so why didn't you stay? Because uh, it was... Uh, kind of like a just an internship oh. and i got the visa for only a specific mm. uh, amount of time and then i had to go back home and finish my school so you grew up in mexico city yeah, right and so, and so was that your first time to florida no no i actually grew up traveling a lot especially to the states and canada um, my dad actually loves driving so we used to drive all the way from mexico city the farthest we went was new orleans Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, I grew up 
very much in the States, like every Christmas and birthday and just for no good reason we would be like in the States. <laughs> you have family in the States? No, we just loved traveling and shopping. Okay. But your dad, who loves driving, hates L.A., you said. You told me that this week. <laughs> yeah, my dad, uh, he he just doesn't find L.A. very understandable. Like, the streets are mm. like, he, he thinks it's too mixed up, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, on those trips as a kid to America, what are your first memories of America, and uh, how did you react to it when you first got there? Oh, I don't know. I honestly always loved it because I grew up there. My first memories are probably in Houston. We used to go there a lot. So the the Galleria Mall, those are my first memories in the uh, the restaurant that's Zucchini. <laughs> we would always have breakfast there and then we would go to the Store of Knowledge, which which was right in front of the restaurant. And there was like all these like techie, you know, scientific stuff. It oh, was okay. awesome. And, you know, spending, like, two hours in the Disney store and then two hours in the Warner store. <laughs> I was just uh, in Houston this spring, and I think I stayed near the Galleria. Is that the one with the uh, ice rink in it? Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah, one, one day we were outside of the Disney store, I think, and I had, like, this little plastic dinosaur, and I dropped it all the way to the ice skating <laughs> rink. And my dad went there and, like, rescued the thing while I was just, like, so sad that I lost my dinosaur. <laughs> Was it that much different than Mexico in your eyes? I mean, it was. I'm sure there was a lot more white people <laughs> and uh, and black people. Actually, you know, it must have been. I mean, just different. You know, it must have been all been different, right? Yeah. Well, it is very different. But I think that when you see all these differences when you're a kid, you don't actually realize like how different things are. I think that when we get older, we kind of get more used to what we know, what we are used to. But then when you're growing up, you just see, you just think everything's the same. You just have like different experiences, like the food. We would always, every time in the States, we would have like oysters. And <laughs> right. that, that was like one of the family, you know, things and clam chowder and stuff like that, which were things that I usually didn't have in Mexico. So to me, it was, I think that's where my food passion started as well, like with the travels with my parents. What was the image as when you were a kid? Because you're young, you're in your 20s. But the image of uh, America to Mexicans in Mexico, and how has that changed in your life? Have you seen any change? Because, you know, we're going to build a wall soon. I don't know if you <laughs> Much different now. It's going to be much different. Well, I don't know. I think, I think all my life I've been kind of like these fairy tale princess ideas and stuff like that. So <laughs> I always felt, like, very welcome, very accepted everywhere. I... I actually never had, like, any experience, like, being, you know, treated differently or anything. And I just think that every time I go to America, I feel very happy and very welcome just because, honestly, I don't know if it's kind of the people that I attract to my universe or whatever, but everybody's always so nice to me. So I, I even find it difficult to believe, like, this whole wall thing and everything. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It better not no, happen. <laughs> so, so you grew up uh, in school learning English in, in, in class? Um, well, since I, I think that all the traveling helped. Also, when I was growing up, my mom was studying English. So what she would do was like practice with me and my sister. We would sing in English, and we would watch TV in English. 
And, for example, the night prayers and stuff like that, we would pray in English. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every time we went uh, to the States, we got, like, children's books in English, like everything. So I think that kind of helped me to develop my language oh, wow. skills, yeah. Because God, you know, is uh, bilingual. He understands. Dio de inglés. Uh, see? Two years Spanish right there. Uh, <laughs> so if you – but you, you come to America, especially when you're along the border in the south and in Texas and in California. I mean, you could speak Spanish everywhere if you wanted. I mean, so did the Mexican people who were in America, did they uh, ask you about – Mexico or anything like that, knowing you were from Mexico City? You know what? It's funny, actually, because there's a wide population of Mexicans, you know, in, in Texas and the, the border states. However, what I've discovered is that uh, they are kind of like ashamed of their past, you know, so sometimes you look at them and you know they're Mexican, you can hear their accent, or probably not even Mexican, but South American or something like that, but when you speak in Spanish to them, they look at you like, like, what do you mean? Like, do I not look American, you know? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So it's difficult sometimes to connect at that level with people because they, they kind of... I don't know if they ran away from a bad situation or stuff like that, and they really don't want to remember their roots. But that's what I've found out, like, about these people in the border states, usually. That's interesting. So when you went there, how far north did you get? Did you get all the way up to my home city of Chicago? Did you ever make it up there, up to Minnesota or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, the farthest we went driving was uh, New Orleans, but I did go... That's very south. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if we're looking at a map, it's very sad. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But uh, I've been to Chicago, New York as well. I think those are the most oh, yeah. northern states. Yeah, yeah. When you first got to New York, what was your opinion? Well, How I, old were you? I think I was very, very young when oh. I was in New York. So my only memory of New York, I have two. One is like brushing snow that was like dust from one of the, I don't know, like where they put plants, probably in Central Park or something like that. And another one is looking at one of the Twin Towers from one of the windows of the other Twin Tower. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the first time you saw snow? Was that it? I have no idea. I was, it was probably that time. I don't know. We went to Canada as well to spend oh, Christmas did. a lot there. So uh, I'm not sure which one was first. Probably New York because I do have more memories of Canada. Where in uh, Canada did you go? And why Canada for Christmas? Did you ski? Um, no, I don't know. Again, with my dad driving. So we would... <laughs> <laughs> Man, he really liked driving. That's far. Yeah, so we would fly to Toronto, and then oh, okay. he would rent a car. We would drive all the way up to Quebec, mm -hmm. and then start making our way down to Quebec, Montreal, yeah. um, Ottawa, Niagara, and then back to Toronto. Okay. Yeah, so uh, why Canada? I have no idea. Like... I don't know. I think it, it had something to do with probably the currency exchange. Oh, yeah, the Canadian yeah, yeah. dollar was so much better for us. And I don't know. It's just a beautiful country. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so do my parents. So <laughs> so he liked to drive up in, in the U.S. and in Canada. Did you ever travel as kids south, like into South America or Central America? No, never. Always north. And really? in Mexico. Yeah, never, never uh, south Mexico. So your family, you never had a uh, – they w always wanted to stay in Mexico City. They never thought of, like, immigrating or moving up to U.S.? Yeah, we considered actually moving to Canada. Uh, it was, like, a big idea for quite some time. 
then I don't know, like the requirements were like you had to put like a million dollars or something to like prove that you're able to yeah. sustain yourself and your family for at least a year or something like that. And then my dad, I don't know, I think he was kind of like afraid because we had like a very good life in Mexico. And I think for him it was difficult to cope with the idea of going to a different country. My dad is not fluent in English at mm -hmm. all. So maybe being like, okay, here in Mexico I can give them absolutely everything and risking that just like for the adventure. I don't know. What, jo what work was he in? What did he do? Or uh, does he do? Well, he was always like a businessman, so he has a lot of uh, places that he rents, kind of like a landlord. Oh. And then he also had like a bar and a restaurant and stuff like that. So he's doing fine. He doesn't have to emigrate. You know what I mean? That's so that there's a reason people leave is to, for a better life. You know? His life sounds pretty good. Well, uh, it, it was good, but um, I don't know. I definitely think that moving to Canada would have been also a good life. Just because like in Mexico, we could afford everything. But, you know, it's like our health care system and our education and stuff like that, it's probably not as good. Like, the schools I went to were very good, but they were very expensive. Yeah. Where When you're in Canada, you have very good schools. State, public school. Yeah. Right? So I, I think that was the difference. I'm so happy, and I don't regret having grown up in Mexico, but I kind of sometimes wonder, like, what would it have been like, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that he always liked, he always looked north, even for your for our holidays, and didn't go south or even to uh, South America or something like that. It's like, hey, for change it up one year, we're going to go to Buenos Aires or something. <laughs> so when you, like, even I have trouble understanding people in, in New Orleans sometimes. You must have had a really hard time. And their accent is nuts. Uh, I, I don't remember very well, but... It, it was it was fun because like my mom was the official translator just because like we were young so my sister right, and I yeah. even when we understood a little bit of English usually a seven year old doesn't solve the family problems right yeah. so my mom was like the official one and my father I don't know he's just like very unstoppable you know so like even when he doesn't speak the language he'll do anything and people just understand him like in Montreal and stuff like that where they just look at you like no I don't speak English. My dad would just, like, make them understand in his half Spanish, half English, zero French. <laughs> zero French, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So did you guys ever go to Europe at all? No. No, okay. no we never left uh, America. Did you, have you yourself since, or where have you been since that your family hasn't gone? Uh, I went to a Mediterranean cruise. That was my first cruise. Working? No, no. Oh, it was for fun? Yeah, it was right after I graduated. Oh. I found, like, this crazy, crazy discount. It was, like, I didn't have a job. I had just graduated, but it was so cheap. So, I don't know. I just went there seven days in the Mediterranean, Italy. Uh, well, no, with my boyfriend at the time. Aha, uh -huh. <laughs> okay. So, seven days. Yeah. So did it start in uh, would you Spain I assume or um did it go to like Italy and then uh where else you tell me where Yeah. Uh it started in Venice. Oh, so nice. yeah, I flew Mexico Paris, spent one night in Paris, flew to Venice and then it was Venice Ancona and then um Dubrovnik Croatia oh, yeah. Yeah. and then Greece um Corfu, Argostoli and Gifeon and then okay. Mon wow. Montenegro. Oh, wow. And back to Venice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was your first impression of, uh, of Europe? Oh, well. Uh, good food, good wine. 
I, I don't know. Um, honestly, I thought, like, when I was there, I was very happy and grateful to be there. But honestly, my first impression of Paris was like, hmm, Europe is overrated. What? <laughs> Paris? Paris? And for someone who likes food and everything else? Overrated? How? How? K-Paso. Well, you know, um, I think that to me it's, I, I don't know, m most people haven't been to Mexico City. Most people only know the Mexican beaches. But downtown Mexico looks a lot like, you know, downtown Paris. Honestly, it's, we really? have, yeah, because. Well, the Spanish, uh, you know, <laughs> took it all over. But, you know, I've been to Madrid and I've been to, that's the thing about, uh, like, a lot of the South American cities as well. There's always that one square with the columns and the buildings and yeah. stuff. And it looks like, yeah, Spain, because the Spanish, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then we had one president. He was kind of, like, obsessed with France and stuff like that. So we have some very, very beautiful architecture in Mexico. And it's just very French. So I was like, wow, this is not too different. I, I, I really expected something like out of this world. And I was like, well, it's not as different. And honestly, for the foodie that I am, I didn't really enjoy French food. Hmm, However, However, Italian food. Italian, that's the greatest. Oh, my God. It doesn't matter what you get. Like, you just like... Chips, a bag of chips. It tastes so much better in yes, Italy. <laughs> it always, always. And the ice cream and the pasta, everything. So, yeah, my two favorite food uh, countries are Italy and Thailand. If you've never been to Thailand, you have to go. Yeah, it's my dream. Thailand is probably one of the next stops. Did you like uh, Dubrovnik and all that stuff? Now, that doesn't look like Spain or yeah. Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dubrovnik, I left my heart there. Oh, like your boyfriend? You just kicked him out? <laughs> <laughs> We're done. This cruise is over. I just, you know, I pushed him overboard. Yeah. But okay. I think it, it sounds very nice to say I left my heart there. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you like it so much? I just think it's like a fairy tale. You know, the old city, like where the fort is, I, I just walked inside, crossed this like very, very, very thick wall. And I was like, Wow, magic exists. <laughs> like all the street is paved in like these little white blocks, and all the buildings. If, oh my God, I I can't even just. I just feel like I'm there, and the the colors of the water of the ocean, like all these different shades of blue and green, and the fish and the sky, and oh my God, and it's warm and pretty. Mm -hmm. Did you? Uh, I still have not been to Greece. I still haven't been to the Greek islands. Would, did you like them, or did you find them uh, too touristy, or what did you think? Well, one of my dreams also is going to Santorini, you know, like yeah, this yeah, big, big one. white buildings. Yeah, absolutely. But the ones I went to, they were like these little, 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 tiny ports, and there was absolutely nothing there. I mean, I, I loved it. I just, I think Greece is interesting. The food was good. The weather, the water was amazing. And I just love, like, they have, like, different letters. So, like, their <laughs> yeah, alphabet, right. you know, like, that the makes Greek, it... Yeah. yeah, that makes it a bit more interesting, you know. Sure. But uh, it was, like, very, very small towns where all I did was shopping, of course. Uh-huh. And... Uh, <laughs> Tanzanite? Did you buy any Tanzanite? <laughs> no, I had no idea that <laughs> I, I was going to get into the world of gemstones. But I've always loved jewelry, but I, I didn't know it was going to be my future. Was that your first cruise? That was my first cruise. And honestly... Um, well, it's, it's kind of a fun story because uh, we fought so much, my boyfriend and I. We were fighting <laughs> all the time in that blessed cruise. and That's, that's because you left your heart in uh, Dubrovnik. <laughs> well, you know what? That was kind of good 
because uh, what I would do was I would just abandon him in the cabin <laughs> and I, I would run away and I would just sit anywhere and chat with the crew members. And I think that's where my passion for cruising started. So in a way, it's good that this guy was non-cooperative. Yeah. Was this your uh, college boyfriend? Um, yeah. Right. So you know, nothing ends more relationships than travel. I'm convinced because many people say this. I mean, we've all been through it. We've been on by the fifth day of vacation. You know, oh man, this is this is different than you know just dating at home. You know, you're spending 24 hours together, and it's tough. And people like to do different things. You know, one person likes to shop, one person likes to not shop, one person wants to go over here, and you have to compromise, which is why I travel alone so much. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so th was that still now your only trip to uh, Europe? Yeah, yeah, that's my only trip to Europe so far. Okay, but are you on this cruise line now? I mean, I don't know what your contract. Do you go back to Europe or are you going to the Caribbean now? I have absolutely no idea because uh, we depend on the company that uh, controls the shops on board on the cruise ships. So we are not... Um, you're not an employee of the cruise line. You're an employee. You're like an outside contractor. Yeah, exactly. I work for JetBlue, which is the Tanzanite brand, and then they deal with the company that rules the stores, right? So whenever they say we have space in this cruise line, in this ship, we go there. It's not like we get to choose a lot. And they control the shops on like six or seven different cruise lines. So I'm not only dealing with Holland America, I'm, I can go, honestly, everywhere. Okay. So I'm not a shopper. Uh, so I go, I look at these, all these shops on, on board, on the, on the ship, and I'm wondering, who goes to these things? And why would you buy? Because it doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem like, I mean, these, this seems like stuff you could get on land. Mm -hmm. All the stuff you could get on land. So... Um, Are you that busy on the ship? I mean, I guess every cruise line is different and uh, clientele is different, but um, what is the appeal of buying it on board rather than buying on the land? Well, what I think is um, a very big difference is that when you're shopping on board, you have like a bigger guarantee, you know? Um, you are shopping from the big cruise line, and from the big company that, uh, like, deals with the shops. So I think, like, I feel more confident, for example, because you're buying expensive stuff, you're buying jewelry, you're buying fine watches. So to me, if you have the same outside and inside, I would definitely always buy it on board just because you have bigger guarantees, you are supported by bigger companies, and that are easier to find. Like, what happens if you go outside in Ketchikan, let's say, buy a diamond, and when you go home, you find it's cubic zirconia. <laughs> what do you do? You fly back to Ketchikan to say something about it? Or if you shop on board, of course, it's not going to be cubic zirconia, but if something happens to the ring, let's say you drop it, something happens, you just call either the company that uh, sold the diamond or Holland America. So it's, like, easier to reach. They're in the U.S., And they take care of, like, all the shipping for the guarantees and stuff like that. So I think it's safer. So as someone who uh, is, I'm not a, I've never bought jewelry per se. So how much, I want to say haggling, but how, <laughs> how much room do we have in, in uh, making a deal? 
I mean, how much leeway do you have in, in making a deal with someone? Okay, well, that's also a big difference uh, from the shops ashore to shopping on board. The shops on board have usually the lowest authorized retail prices, and they just have a certain, like, let's say 30%, 40% it's that is the discount they give. And honestly, there's not a lot of room to negotiate. However, the technique that they have outside or the business model is they usually have, like, very high initial prices. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they lure you in with... Oh, we have 60% plus 20 plus 10 plus it's a beautiful day, so I'll give you an extra five. <laughs> what do you mean, the, the honest Pakistani man out there? <laughs> Hold on, my friend. Hold on, my friend. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. lot of what happens. And, and that's, I mean, it, it, it works for them because what they get is like happy tourists. They're having a good day and they just, they make them feel like they're the luckiest person on Ketchikan just because they got like this huge deal. Mm-hmm. But honestly, when you think about it, uh, why would they sell something that's worth 20000 Why would they give it for to five. you for five? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? When you think about that, you're like, well, what did I really get? You mm-hmm. know, What's the real value of what I'm getting? So that's why I don't feel very confident about that. So in terms of gems like Tanzanite that you, you specialize in and things like that, if I live in, say, L.A. or Chicago or in most other cities, can I not get it there or can I? I mean, I don't know. Okay. Is it a special thing only you can only get on vacation? Because that's the only time I see it. Tanzanite and saltwater taffy. That's two things I only see on vacation. <laughs> well, what happens with Tanzanite is it is the second most rare gemstone on Earth just because how limited the supply is. There's only one mine in the world and it's only four square miles. So, in Tanzania. Exactly. Go. <laughs> Very good. I figured that out. <laughs> You're smart. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is we don't have enough supply for the whole world. That is why you don't find Tanzanite everywhere. Because if everybody knows it and everybody wants it, we would run, run out of it in one day or something like that. So the thing is probably in the big cities like L.A., Chicago, New York, even Mexico, you might be able to find a special collection of Tanzanite in one of the biggest jewelries, jewelry stores. However, you would probably find five or ten pieces of not the best quality for probably five times the price that you would find it here, which is one of the main differences between gem blue Tanzanite and the Tanzanite that you find everywhere else because we come straight from the mine because we're site holders. Mm. So we have the top quality, and this quality you will not be able to find anywhere else. And if you found it, it's probably going to be at least five times more the price. So you're new to the ships, though. This is your first contract? Well, it's kind of my second one. My first contract was four weeks, so I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if that counts as a contract. In Alaska as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've, you've seen Alaska. What did you think? All summer. <laughs> that, that, that's very interesting because when I first found out, I was in Mexico sitting in my living room and I got the email that I was going to, that I got my assignment and I saw Alaska and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to freeze to death. <laughs> you know, because like, honestly, Alaska just sounds like covered in snow. Sure. And when I came here, I realized that it is such a beautiful summer full of flowers and green land. And I just thought it was beautiful and warm. Like, I would go out wearing dresses, and I was so happy and so (laughs) surprised 
because I honestly thought it was like we we would be buried in snow yeah. like all year round. We're also in the very southern tip of it. I mean, we're in the little you know part of it. If you go way up in Alaska, it's cold. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, that surprises a lot of people how pleasant the the uh, the summers are up here, and it is beautiful. I mean, you got to admit it is it's very beautiful. But you're ready for you're ready for warm, aren't you? Yeah, it is very beautiful, and yes, I'm also ready for warm because this end of season is getting kind of drizzly and windy and cold. But honestly, I've enjoyed it so much, and it was such a pleasant surprise having like warm, sunny days in Alaska and wearing dresses and just enjoying it. Like I went to a snow-covered mountain to do dog sledding, and I was just wearing a T-shirt. What, you went dog sledding? Where? Yeah, I did. Uh, in Juneau, I took the helicopter to the top of a mountain. They oh, have... I should have done that. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> amazing. And they have, like, this dog camp, dog sledding camp, and it's covered in snow, and I was only wearing a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And all my family and friends, they, like, they saw the pictures, and they're like, are you crazy? <laughs> you have no idea how warm it was, and, like, with all the snow reflecting the sun, it was super, yeah. super hot. Unbelievable. You get, burned, you get sunburned very easy that way. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like a mirror. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and how were the dogs? They were so cute, but that, that was also an, another surprise because I was expecting these wolf-like dogs, you know, like very hairy dogs. Yeah. No, these are Alaskan huskies. Huskies, yeah. And they're very different. They're, like, so, like, tiny, and they <laughs> don't have a lot of, like, their fur is not, like, what I expected, and they're, like, very skinny. And I was like, what is this? But they're... Well, it's their summer fur. It's their summer fur, too. They shed a lot of the summer fur. <laughs> they're much thicker in the winter. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised as well. They're so nice and friendly. <laughs> I wish I would have done that now. Oh, well. And you've got to be excited because your mother's coming, right? Yeah, my mom, she just flew into Vancouver yesterday, Mm -hmm. and she's probably touring Whistler today. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, she might do Capilano or Stanley Park or stuff like that Mm -hmm. tomorrow. And then Saturday, I'll meet her in Canada Place for the adventure of a lifetime. Oh, you're taking your mom on. Do you get, so you don't get any kind of discount or anything like that? No, I didn't. Just because, like, as I'm not an official crew member, I don't have some of these benefits that some of the other crew members have. So how long is your contract on here? This one was a very different one. Our contracts are usually between three and five weeks at the most on each ship, and then we move the collection to a different ship and then to a different ship. But this one uh, was 15 weeks on the same ship, which is totally different. There's your whole summer. Your whole summer is gone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm the only one in the company that has done such a long contract. Mm -hmm. Would you do one that long again? Uh, I don't know. It has its <laughs> pros and cons as well. Yeah. It gives you time to meet people. It gives you time to create kind of relationships and have friends and stuff like that. But it is very tiring. It is because we're on 24-7. It's kind of like being back in Disney. Like I have to have like my super smile all have the time. Have a magical day. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> the passengers recognize me. So right, right. I can't be having like a bad day. I can't be having like a stomach ache. I can't be tired or depressed or anything. I just have to be on all day. Right. Not like me moping around this ship for, <laughs> for six days <laughs> when I'm not working. You are going to be on the ship when it goes down to Caribbean? Yes, I am. Which is your weather. 
am super excited <laughs> about that. You have no idea because uh, we're going to do... We're going to go, go through the Panama Canal, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited. Actually, when I first found out that I was going to do the crossing and I was going to go through the Panama Canal, I had a dream about <laughs> the Panama Canal. But it was awesome because my brain decided to make the Panama Canal into like a water park. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was so much fun. But I, I think that helps you to understand how excited I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so are you going to be there all winter in the Caribbean? I have no idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do the crossing and the first Fort Lauderdale and flying back to Mexico. And okay. I'm going to spend two months in Mexico and I have no idea what ship or destination I'm going to be in December. Okay, so oh, you're going to be oh, you're going to you're going to miss Christmas in Mexico. Yes, I am. Uh, I think I'm flying out of Mexico probably the 10th or 12th of December. So okay, maybe I'll see you down there somewhere. I'm I have two weeks in December down in the Caribbean, but not on this line. I have one the week after Thanksgiving. So first week of December I'll be in. Uh, that's on Crystal though. And then uh, Christmas week, I'll be on Celebrity. So maybe I'll see you down there. Or we'll probably be... They all go to the same ports anyway. Yeah, exactly. We can just wave at each other from ship to yeah. ship. <laughs> I'll buy... Yeah. I'll say, you're not the same. You're not as good as the other Tanzanite girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really hope you do that. <laughs> Tanzanite girl. That's your, that's your title now. Uh, so how have you adjusted to ship life? What is the hardest thing about living on the ship? The hardest part, I would think, um, it's kind of lonely. You know, like even when you're surrounded by 2,000 guests and probably 1,000 crew members, it kind of gets lonely as well because you, you don't have all this time to build relationships. Everybody's busy working at different schedules, different times. And sometimes, like, I just, I, I mean, I'm alone most of the time just because. I'm here alone. Like even when I work in the jewelry shop with the jewelry staff, they are not my colleagues per se. So they're doing their own thing and I'm usually alone, eating alone, stuff like that, which I enjoy. I love being in my head, just <laughs> thinking crazy stuff. But sometimes it does get a little bit lonely. I noticed in the crew bar the other night that all the uh, Spanish speakers have found each other on the ship, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's amazing how everybody kind of like finds each other. Yeah, it's it's amazing. We have like five Mexicans on board and I think two guys from Chile and one from Colombia. And yeah, usually we're all hanging out together just because it makes you feel a little bit closer to home, you know, like talking your own language, right. having your own like local jokes, <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. And there was a, where's Umberto? Umberto is uh, Argentinian? Uh, Umberto, he was, he's Brazilian. Brazilian, but his family was from Argentina or something. But whatever, he speaks Spanish too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is your plan? Do you have a long-term plan to, uh, do you want to stay in the ship industry or do you want to do something else? Um, I want to stay with the jewelry. I love the jewelry. I love gemstones. I think I, I found my passion and I love cruise ships just because I've always been a traveler at heart. However, I don't think I'm going to do this for, let's say, the next eight years. <laughs> I would love to do it for probably two years. And then hopefully uh, I'll get a job inland dealing with jewelry as well. Maybe designing the jewelry or creating programs to, I don't know, do something with jewelry, but in some country where I can have like a house and friends and a relationship and right, right. you know 
so give me your top three uh, dream destinations you want to travel to. Oh, wow. That's difficult. Okay, Egypt. Oh, yeah. That has always, always, always been one of my biggest dreams. And then probably um, Santorini, definitely. And then I'm not sure if Thailand or Bali or probably both. You could do both. Yeah, I, I, I think that's <laughs> my number three. Well, I think that uh, I know this ship, um, New uh, Holland America, they, they go to Bali and Thailand and all those places. So maybe you get on one of those ships. That would be cool. I would absolutely love it. Like, since I'm just starting, I'll be more than happy if they send me anywhere. You know, because, like, everything's new to me right now. So Caribbean's new, Mediterranean's kind of new still, Baltic, Bali, Asia, Australia, everything. I think for me, like, if I were in your shoes, what would be boring to me is if going back to the same places all the time. I think, because I've only been on the ship for four weeks, which for me is a long time. It's the longest I've been on one. But the only thing that made it kind of boring was it was four of the same one-week trips to the same places. Now, if I was going, if it was going all around to the other parts of Alaska or different parts of Canada and stuff like that, just seeing different things would be kind of cool. It's the same ones over and over again. It's kind of a drag. So, if you if they said, okay, you're going back next summer to Alaska for for 15 weeks, you probably wouldn't like that, would you? <laughs> Even though it's beautiful up here. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be too excited about right. it. I would be like, uh, okay, yeah, I love Alaska. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but then if they say, hey, we're going to Asia, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I, I would definitely love to go somewhere new. I mean, mm. I love Alaska, and I do have, like, I already have, like, my favorite places and, like, where I go eat and stuff like that. But honestly, if I had the chance to go somewhere different, anywhere, I would love to do that. Other than uh, Paris, what were your least favorite places to visit? Ah, Man, I have no idea. Don't say Chicago. That's my hometown. <laughs> no, I love Chicago. I have great memories of Chicago. Like this big, big, big fountain. Yeah, I yeah. I don't remember the name. Buckingham Fountain. Yeah. Or uh, some people around the world call it now. They say the, the Married with Children fountain because it's in the opening credits of uh, the introduction of Married with Children. That's the fountain that goes up. So I hate when people call it the Married with Children fountain. <laughs> So, you know, nothing that we were like, I don't have to come back here ever again. Uh, no, not really. Like, honestly, everywhere I go, I've always found, like, little pieces of magic and surprises and just the food and the local people. And even if it's just an interesting chat with a stranger, to me, everything's just magical. So, yeah. Okay. So before we go for the travelers, and, and I know we've had a couple of guests on recently that uh, were from Mexico as well. So... I haven't been to a ton of Mexico. I've only been to around uh, Cozumel, Cancun, or Mayo Riviera, and uh, that's really kind of it. So um, for me and a lot of Americans, it's just it's so close. I just think ah, I'll, I can always go there. So um, tell me where to go. And for people who are, say, in America or even not in America, the highlights, the things we have to see when we're in Mexico. Okay. Um I would definitely recommend Mexico City. You have right. To I hear uh, great things. Yeah, you have to see that. Absolutely. We have everything. And then what else would I recommend? Honestly, Oaxaca, which is like in the southeast. That's beautiful. The food is great. Uh, it has a lot of like uh, ancient ruins. And Oaxaca. Oaxaca, yes. 
It's a funny name. If you saw it... Uh, O-A-X something. Yeah, I can never spell it, but... <laughs> Good food, though. <laughs> yeah. The moles. The mole sauces. That's what I remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what else would I recommend? Uh, we have a lot of... Uh, we call them magical towns, which are these really, really small towns. But they're full of, like, artisans and, like, natural things. So I would always recommend go to those. Tepoztlan, which is very close to Mexico City. It's like a two-hour drive. And then... Um, we have some. Oh, we have so many beautiful things. There's one thing that I'm gonna recommend. I haven't done it yet, but it's definitely in, mi- in my bucket list. It's Gilitla um, in San Luis Potosi. Hmm. It's this place. It has these beautiful, beautiful like ranges of waterfalls and like all this tropical rainforest. And there's also a surrealist or surreal garden. And this was made by a sculptor. So it's like you're in the middle of the rainforest and you have like all these beautiful construction like arches and staircases that go nowhere and like doors. It's, it's kind of crazy, magical, so I definitely want to go there. Well, when was that built? I have no idea, but um, I, I think it's probably been around the 60s or something. So is Helitla? Spell yeah. that for me. X-I-L-I-T-L-A. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's near Mexico City? Um, no, not really. It's, I think, like a six, seven-hour drive. It's in the state of San Luis Potosí. Okay. All right. Your favorite beach in Mexico? Okay, my favorite beach in Mexico. I actually haven't been to many, but I would say probably Ixtapa, Ixtapa Cihuatanejo. In, it's like two hours from Acapulco. I think that's beautiful. It's so warm, hot, nice. Zihuatanejo. Yeah. That's the one they talk about in uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's at the end of Shawshank because he has to say it. He's like, you meet me, you know the word. Zihuatanejo. So Mexico City just seems so intimidating because it's so big. There's 25 million people, right? Yeah. So... Break it down for us. What are the neighborhoods we have to see in Mexico City? Okay, you have um, Condesa and Roma. Okay, these two are very like, you know, like hipster, like fancy, but like very different. Beautiful, beautiful food, drinks, and everything's like special there, and like nice people walking around. Then you have Coyoacán, which is like a very kind of like old style um, neighborhood. That's beautiful. It has like churches and all these beautiful old buildings and houses. Uh, You definitely want to go around Polanco, which is like a fancy neighborhood. And these new areas that are Santa Fe and Interlomas, these are like where most uh, of the big offices and corporates are. And what else? Well, I think that's probably what you would want to see. Yeah, my friend had a uh, house in Coyoacan that she just sold. And she said the hardest part about selling a house in, in Mexico is that Mexicans, when doing business, they will never tell you no. So they, and they will just, they'll say, yes, we'll be there to look at the house. We'll make an appointment. Yes. So you would confirm it. Yes, this day, this day. And they just don't show up. <laughs> they just don't come. No call, no nothing, no, nothing to cancel because they don't want to say no to your face. Yeah. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I think that's a cultural <laughs> thing, uh, kind of uh, dealing with like limits, saying no and everything. Like to us, everything's like, it's very important to like, make the other person feel happy and okay. But <laughs> it, it, that means that I'm probably going to, well, not me. I'm, I'm very like, 
honest and stuff like that. <laughs> but like people would say like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll see you there. And they won't. And then there's also like this Mexican punctuality thing. <laughs> A Mexican time? Yeah, I hate it. I'm, That's all of Latin America though. Yeah, probably. I'm not yeah. like that. I hate it. But like, honestly, people say like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting there. And they're in the shower, probably, mm -hmm. answering the phone. Yeah, I had Cuban relatives in Miami. Same thing. We call the Cuban time. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> they drove my aunt crazy. Is it, uh, you know, everybody, there's a big misconception about the uh, safety in Mexico. Do you think it's overblown by uh, U.S. Uh, media? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I honestly want to say this. Mexico is a beautiful and safe place to live in or to travel I've lived there all my life, and I've never had anything happen to me or my friends or my family. And I, what I always say is it's like any big city in the world. Yeah, there's just neighborhoods you don't go into. Absolutely. There's places <laughs> right. you're careful with. But honestly, you can just like walk around very safely and happily with your friends and family. Nothing, nothing happens. But I think that all of the media just focuses on like – the very big things and like the bad things and they repeat yeah, and the them. border towns and, yeah you know, they the repeat shooting. them over and over and over and then people think that mexico like that's how we live that's what happens every day every time all the time but no not really it's a very safe place and one thing about mexicans we're very friendly and helpful so whenever you're traveling there even if you don't speak spanish mexicans will go out of their way just to make sure that you <laughs> find what you're looking for that you can at least kind of Find help. And you've heard my Spanish, which is muy bueno. <laughs> Even I could get by, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. could. You okay. could. Yeah. Well, I will say, when I went to uh, Spain, when I would speak Spanish, they said I sounded Mexican. <laughs> so I took that as a, okay. Which makes sense, because that's all the Spanish I've heard my whole life, you know? So why would I sound like a, someone from Barcelona, you know? Yeah. <laughs> What's the most difficult Spanish accent for you to understand? Oh, the most difficult Spanish accent? For me, it was Buenos Aires. Um, <laughs> the thing about Argentinians is that they sing a lot and they speak like this and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> but probably the hardest would be Peru or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, the Chileans, they speak very fast as well. And they kind of like make up their own words as well. And <laughs> yeah. funny. What should we eat when we're in Mexico? We know all the basic stuff. So besides the chalupa, what should I eat? <laughs> what should I eat in Mexico? Well, I can't leave Mexico without eating what? Okay, you can't leave Mexico without eating pozole, I would say. I just love it. It's kind of like a soup uh, made of pork meat, and it has corn. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. But also, I think you can't miss barbacoa. Oh, yeah which is uh, lamb cooked in a very special, like, interesting way. They cook it underground, like in a hole in the ground. It takes all night, and <laughs> right. that's absolutely great. Mm -hmm. So where have you had the best Mexican food in America? Well, you won't believe it, but there's a great Mexican place in Ketchikan, Alaska. I don't believe it. Yeah, I, I It's not the best you've had. Come on. You've been to Houston and you've been to California and come on. You can't tell me I ate there in Ketchikan with you. It was nice. It was good. 
but come on. I, I swear. That's that, only because you've been on this ship so long that you really, yeah, you miss it too much. That I've already forgotten what Mexican yeah. food tastes like. You're going to make your mother cook for you while she's on the ship. Please make my favorite. What's the one thing when you go back to Mexico City to eat that you must have first thing? Oh, definitely I have to have some tacos or stuff <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's like... Like street, like yeah. on the street, yeah. I, I go to this very mm. tiny place that m my dad is actually embarrassed that I like it. <laughs> but it's like, I have the best flautas there, you know, flautas are yeah, like yeah. deep fried tacos, but they are like swimming in sauce. <laughs> they, they call them drowned flautas just because they're swimming in sauce. They're so good. So that's usually the first stop after <laughs> okay. the airport. So what are you going to do when you get off the ship and you can't get gravy every day? Because there are people out there listening. She eats gravy now at every meal thanks to the buffet. What are you going to do about your gravy addiction? Oh, I have no idea. Um, it's it's, it's going to be difficult. My life's going to get hard and mm -hmm. sad. And I'm probably going to lose some weight. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have much weight to lose. We've been trying to fatten you up American style. It's not working. And then you're going to go down. You were just trying to keep warm. That's why you need. we have to fatten you up. But... You're going to lose it all in the Caribbean. What are you excited about to see in the Caribbean? Uh, definitely getting my feet in warm water <laughs> with uh, sparkly, colorful cocktails oh, in my hands. <laughs> you're going to the right place then. All right. Um, what do you think? We'll wrap it up now. What do you think all this uh, travel in your life and growing up as someone who's traveling and now seeing more things, what do you think it has taught you as a person and as someone living in a different country and everything else, how has it changed you as a person? What have you learned about people? I think that the biggest lesson for me has been tolerance, opening up my mind to different mindsets, to different ideas, to different languages, to different cultures, different customs. Like, I think that when we are living only in one place our entire life, we think that things are the way we think they are. When you go to different countries, when you meet different people, you understand that what you think is not the only way to think, that your ideas aren't the only ideas, and that there is beauty, and there is good, and there is kindness, and there is love, and happiness, and friendship, and joy behind blue eyes, behind <laughs> black eyes, behind blonde hair, or red hair, or tall, short you know, I, that's what I've learned. Like, beautiful people exist in every country, beautiful ideas, and just friendship to be shared. That's great. And finally, uh, be honest, who's harder to deal with as a customer, the Russians or the Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's one of them. <laughs> oh, I would have to admit, definitely the Chinese. <laughs> definitely. Without question, they're the absolute winners. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Um, for, if you were trying to sell Tanzanite, beware of the Chinese. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This will be uh, uh, coming out in a few weeks. So um, tell all your friends in Mexico. We, we need new fans. Yes. But thank you. That's Mariana, everybody. And uh, we will see you later. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Adios. <laughs> Adios. <laughs>